calling all aspiring investment professionals, get a leg up on the competition. Final registration for the August CFA exam ends on May 14th. Register now to secure your spot. The CFA designation is a gold standard in the investment world, opening doors to high-powered careers and impressive salaries. Head over to cfainstitute.org to register. Don't wait. Take control of your finance career today. Hello and welcome to another episode of our Take 15 series. I'm Rob Gowan, Director of Member Products at CFA Institute, and joining me today is Steve Galbraith, partner at Maverick Capital and also an adjunct professor at Columbia University Business School where he teaches security analysis. We're here today in New York at the CFA Institute Equity Research and Valuation Techniques Conference where Steve has uh, not only agreed to sit down with us for a few minutes, but he's also a conference presenter. Uh, so Steve, uh, thanks very much for joining us. Sure, Rob. Good to be here. Just to start things off, it's clearly been an extraordinary year in the equity markets. Uh, in March, when indexes were crashing through multi-year lows, uh, one could say that price movements really didn't have any attachment to the underlying company fundamentals. But since March, obviously, there's been a large rebound in index values. And I just wanted to get your sense about where equity values are in relation to the underlying company fundamentals in the business cycle. Well, this is a kind of a boring answer, but I'd argue today we're much more normal. And I think the main message I would take away from the last 18 months, two years, is the future really is unknowable. Uh, we, and just thinking, sitting here today, would you have imagined at this time last year that Bank of America, uh, J.P. Morgan, Goldman, Morgan Stanley would have already repaid their TARP money, right? So on both sides of the equation, things are very, very difficult to predict. What I would say, though, Rob, is if you look at things on a normal basis, which is the way we try and do it at Maverick, meaning let's cut through the noise and let's look at something mid-cycle, where it's not at an extreme, either depressed, like March, in terms of the prices, and, in fact, the earnings back in March, or if it's not at an elevated level, say 2000 of March, um, things actually, if you look at them relative to price to sales or price to book, they're kind of at the long-term averages, which feels about appropriate, given that, in our view anyway, we are going to have some kind of recovery. The worst is behind us. And it is unknowable how robust that recovery will be. So it doesn't look extraordinary on either metric to us or on either extreme to us today. Great. And uh, with that backdrop, um, in your presentation later today, uh, you'll have a nice slide that shows money market balances yes. and still at elevated levels indicating that a lot of people have stayed on the sidelines. Yeah. And so do you have any sense on what their catalyst would be to put that money back to work and you know, where it might go? The, the bad news is traditionally the catalyst is prices and stocks are going up. And so there is a strong impetus, as we've talked about in the past, for people to invest with a rearview mirror. And they'll say, oh, my gosh, prices are going up. I have to get in. And just to context it, give you some context, you know, there's about $3.5 trillion in money market accounts. And as you well know, rates are extraordinarily low. And so you're basically getting nothing for that. And uh, alternatively, you can look at the stock market. And what's interesting, Rob, is that it's trough. You know, the value of the S&P was probably only $7 trillion. So you almost had half the value of the U.S. equity market in money market accounts. And that's the one part of risk assets 
that hasn't really moved. In other words, you've seen stocks gone up, you've seen credit spreads tighten. But my guess is it's really going to take uh, a couple more months, a couple more quarters of strong performance, and in all likelihood, people will start chasing. Um, and usually that doesn't end well. When people start putting money back to work, um, clearly we've seen that over the past year that growth has really been outperforming value. And in a discussion we had earlier, um, you were saying that you know, sort of the correlations have been extremely high. I mean, I guess growth has been maybe 10% uh, higher over the past year. But do you have a sense uh, in the future if there's any investing styles that, that may be favorable? No, and in fact, the, the point I would really want to make to folks uh, listening in on this is I, I actually am somewhat style agnostic today. Uh, growth and value relative to their histories are not crazily priced. What I do feel quite, quite strongly about is your point about correlations. If you look in 2008, basically 90% of all stocks in the world declined double digits. In 2009, basically 90% of all stocks went up double digits. Historically, that level is half. In other words, only about 40, 50% of stocks move that extremely uh, together. And so our core thesis would be correlations of one only incur in markets that are imploding or exploding. We've had both, and that wouldn't be my base case prospectively. And therefore, in our minds, 2010 and prospectively is going to be all about differentiation, where people actually look at idiosyncratic risk and idiosyncratic fundamentals of companies and price securities. So my bet, and again, this sounds very self-interested because I work at a long-short fund, but we think you're going to start seeing spreads between good and bad uh, widen as opposed to move in tandem. And, and to follow that up, um, for an investor that has some capital to deploy, um, just to summarize, at least in the U.S., you know, we've got a weak dollar. Uh, we've got equity markets that have come off substantial lows. Uh, interest rates are at historical lows, high unemployment. It, it, it doesn't look very attractive from a very high-level view uh, to deploy capital. Um, so you know, what, what does that mean for investors in the U.S.? And, and conversely, does that picture change if you're an investor outside of the U.S.? Well, I'm a big believer in mean reversion. So in my mind, high unemployment, a weak dollar, lousy earnings are actually all good things uh, because if there is a cycle, and I'm a big believer in cycles, it would suggest at some point they'll turn positively. And again, under the premise that the future is unknowable, I don't know when, but I have a high degree of confidence that unemployment some point in the next couple of years will be much lower. I would argue the dollar may be stronger. Conversely, in places like Brazil or China, where the fundamentals truly are spectacular. I mean, the balance sheets are clean. The fiscal situation is quite good at the government level. The companies are doing a lot of very good things. Um, that's not lost on people either. I mean, the Brazilian market's up like 88% this year. So I think, Rob, at the end of the day, you have to be very cognizant of what's in the price. And a lot of uh, things are reflected at both extremes. And so our view of the world is, we actually see really attractive things and attractive things to short in emerging markets. And conversely, we still see a lot of value left in the U.S. market. And so, again, we, if, if we had a different view of the world than we have had in the past, I'd tell you differently. 
But right now, I feel pretty good about opportunities at a global level, not just, I don't think the U.S. is a wasteland where you can't make money anymore. And conversely, I certainly wouldn't put all my eggs in an emerging markets basket today. Look, just last week, we saw what uh, Dubai, a very small player on the world stage, can do uh, in terms of disrupting people's confidence in, in, in a particular regime. So. Over the past year, we've seen macro funds perform quite well. So earlier we were talking, and you had indicated that you know, simply being a macro investor may not be good enough anymore. So um, is this uh, a market really where people need to be doing their homework and just really be uh, selecting things on an individual basis? Yeah, I mean, there's no question. If, if, if I were asked to give one piece of advice for the year ahead, it is that point, and it gets back to the correlations. When things are moving directionally all together, a microanalysis, I don't want to say it's useless, but it certainly felt useless over the last 12 months or so. And even this year, you're starting to see some snippets of differentiation. And I just think the odds of everything moving in one direction are next to zero. Um, and therefore, it is a time to be doing your homework. And ironically, again, we've talked about this in the past, there is a tendency among both asset allocators and investors to chase rearview mirror returns. And the macro funds, to their credit, were extraordinarily good uh, producers of returns in, this, uh, in the downdraft. They've done less well this year, in all honesty. And so I do think that presage is probably what looks uh, for them ahead as well. Well, great. Well, we re really appreciate you uh, spending some time with us, Steve. And uh, thank you very much for watching this episode. And uh, for more like it, please visit cfawebcasts.org. Copyright 2009, CFA Institute. No part may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, electronic, mechanical, recording, or otherwise, without the express prior written permission of CFA Institute. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.